You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And by Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Visit DizzyPigBarbecue.com, use promo code KIME15, that's K-E-I-M-15, for 15% off your order shipped in the U.S. Today, the focus is on the benching of quarterback Dwayne Haskins and what it means for his future and for Washington. I'm joined by Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch as we talk about all of this. For those of you who worry about some mixed signals, Michael might be your ally. And I'm joined by ESPN's David Newton to discuss Kyle Allen. David covered Allen in Carolina and can provide some level of insight as to what Washington fans can expect from him. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have many stories up now, as you could imagine, based on the news of the day, including one on head coach Ron Rivera. Learn more about him, how he makes decisions, and how, at a time like this, many feel he's the right man for the job. And don't forget to check out the bonus midweek podcast that came out on Wednesday. I talked to ESPN's Lindsey Theory about the Rams and former NFL scout Tyler Rowan with some fantasy football tips. It's a quick listen. Give it a tune. Before I share my conversation with Michael Phillips, I wanted to run down a few thoughts of my own. Better buckle in. For those who say it's a quick hook, I agree. It is a quick hook. I also think there are people with Washington who would agree with you, mainly because not everybody has the same level of confidence in Kyle Allen. I think if Case Keenum or Colt McCoy were here, I think they might understand it more. But I also know that nobody has suggested to me in the past year that Haskins is this close to being the guy that they need and the guy who can get him there. Someone told me two weeks ago they thought he would get maybe two, that he would get two more games. And actually, the direct quote was one and a half more games because he felt like if he wasn't playing well at halftime of the Rams game, that would be it. They pointed to his pocket awareness, his instincts. Those were the major concerns. And I think if you listen to last week's podcast, I said the same thing. This person knew that Haskins had to play better. Anyone I talked to over there knew it. That doesn't mean it wasn't a quick hook. We all knew he had to play better. Those of you listening who were in his corner knew he had to play better. Also say, while fans viewed his game one way Sunday, I think some of you came away thinking that it was a major step up. Internally, it was viewed differently. It was the decision-making, and he was clearly tentative. Some of that was a function of hearing about the turnovers. Yes, I think it messed with his head. I've seen it mess with other quarterbacks' heads in the past. No, I remember one year with Rex Grossman. He came, he lost his job because of turnovers, came back in, was a tentative, and then he went back out and started flinging it, and he basically told us he had to just say, F it, I'm going to throw it down the field. But Dwayne wasn't going down the field the way that a Rex Grossman was anyway. I did have an inkling that this was going to happen, or at least certainly my antenna was up, just because Ron Rivera's tone had changed because of the NFC East. 
I texted someone over there Tuesday about asking about a possible change. I got back crickets. Usually, I don't. That, to me, was one sign for a tip-off. And then there were things that Rivera had said recently that suggested that he was at least thinking that maybe they could win now, and it certainly changed his approach. There was really only one move they could make that could impact the ability to do so, and that was at quarterback. People there know what you guys know, that Troy Apke is not a starting safety in the NFL. He was drafted to be a core special teamer and a backup. He's played to that level. But putting DeShazer Everett at safety isn't going to result in any more wins. Cam Curl's making plays, but he's making plays in the right spot for him. He's up near the line of scrimmage. He's covering tight ends in the slot. He's doing well in that spot. Leave him there. But that's not going to solve the issue at free safety. We know that. They know the linebackers will have to be upgraded too. Those are mostly off-season situations. In the coach's eyes, playing a guy who knows his system like Allen and can operate can operate it does give them a better chance. You can disagree. It's what they think. I can't help that. Just explaining the decision-making and what people there thought. I'll be honest. As a reporter, I hate covering these situations sometimes because many people just want to yell and argue. If you put out a reason, they just want to curse you out. They make wild accusations. And I'll be honest, that crap isn't for me, but this is the job, so here we go. I will say, anyone who watched training camp wasn't really pining for Kyle Allen. It's not like he was sharp the way maybe at times Colt McCoy would be with backups in previous camps because you could tell how well he knew the offense. Heck, in recent practices, it was kind of bad by the quarterback group in general. Too many missed throws when doing so with no defenders. It was just the receivers. And you know how in some practices you'll hear how they'll say about a quarterback, the ball never hits the ground in practice. That wasn't being said here. And that was true throughout the summer. And even with Haskins, I mean, he's, we've seen the inaccuracies. That was true in practice. And again, sometimes on air and sometimes you just shake your head. But that he wasn't alone in that. So I can't just blame him for that. The others were like that as, as well. I do believe that in talking to people here that this group felt Haskins could succeed in this offense. There was some genuine belief that they could get him there. Anytime a new staff comes in, they do so with a bit of spitfire about what they can accomplish that a previous staff could not. It usually doesn't go as they anticipate. That was the case in this situation. As someone here told me the other day, Jay Gruden, Kevin O'Connell, and Matt Cavanaugh do know a lot about quarterback play. So they, they, you know, just keep that in mind. But I also think there's a, there, it was genuine that, that the disrupted offseason played a crucial role in Haskins not developing the way they needed or wanted. Had there been a competitive a competition a competition in the preseason, we may have seen a different starting quarterback, or we may have would have seen Haskins be able to work through some of the issues before the season. This kid needs a lot of time, a lot of practice time, a lot of work on his game. That stuff is all, a lot of the stuff is behind the scenes. It's not just about game reps, and I said this last year. There's so much more that they want him to get better at, and I think that's one of the issues here. Blaming the talent around him is fashionable. It doesn't explain all the struggles. The line played a solid game Sunday. That's what the tape showed. Those who say that Washington didn't tailor the offense to Haskins, they were misgu- they're misguided. That's exactly what they've done. I saw every throw he made at Ohio State. Yes, there were some down-the-field throws, but they feasted off receiver screens, jet passes, shallow crossers, and operating out of the gun. Scott Turner wants to go down the field. That's the offense. But they were doing what made him comfortable, and they were having some success because of that. Clearly not enough in their eyes. There were some times that they wanted to take better advantage of certain matchups that he just either didn't recognize or didn't do. 
some of that is growing pains. And I think the other part is, you you know, maybe it was just taking longer. Anyway, back to the line. It wasn't perfect the other day, but they weren't the reason for issues in that loss. Um, certainly not overwhelming ones. There were some protection calls they wanted Haskins to handle better, whether it's the protection itself or how he handled the unblocked defender. Sometimes the quarterback knows the guy will be unblocked and you have to throw hot accordingly. It wasn't just one thing, though. It was a body of evidence for them that made them wonder how long would it take for him to mature as an NFL player that they could win with. There's also this notion that somehow Washington now isn't rebuilding. Folks, they still are. Look at the roster. It's young. It's There are a lot of developmental guys on there. Antonio Gibson is developing. Um, when you're rebuilding, you still play to win games. You're just not good enough to win a lot of games or to certainly to contend for a division title. I think we're still a little bit deluding ourselves here if, you re- if we really think they're going to do that, but this is the route they're going. The quarterback they inserted is 24 years old. They're not trading picks for players and bringing in a bunch of aging vets. I think if they... If they felt the payoff with Haskins would be worth it, I don't think they make this move. They would absolutely give him a chance to run through the so-called easier part of the schedule. I think deep down they feared, and this is just me speculating, they feared what would happen if they gave him that chance and it didn't go well. Now, some of you can say he deserved that chance because of all the stuff that had been said, and it's hard for me to disagree. Um, But that, you know, that's, again, this is their decision. Anyway, what really changes the NFC East? If Washington goes 7-9 and and wins the division, they're still considered a rebuilding team. They would still be young and flush with cap space and eight draft picks. What this should tell you is that they don't believe that Haskins is close enough to help them win these upcoming winnable games. And I think you should ask yourself, what does that tell you? Someone on here on Twitter in the podcast mailbag once asked me recently about if they get to a point with the veterans where you have to explain why they're essentially sticking with Haskins if they're not winning. I think Rivera clearly wondered the same thing. So you were very prescient in asking that question. And I think that was a factor here as well. In fact, Rivera said it. He, you know, and we'd hear this with, from Scott McLuhan when he was here with Robert Griffin III. It's not about developing one guy, it's about developing 53. And I think Rivera certainly has shifted into, into that sort of thinking. I've told you all along that it was going to take a while with Haskins. He did have a good offseason, but he needs more than one good offseason to get where he needs to go. I felt like they were going to be patient. I felt like he'd certainly get at least half a year, and if not the whole year, but again, the NFC East happened. And if that doesn't happen, I think he's still in there, and we're not talking about this. Haskins is also Exhibit A, why Dan Snyder should quit making decisions on quarterbacks. Most of the big quarterback acquisitions in the last 10 years or so have been made by Snyder, from Donovan McNabb to RG3 to the RG3 trade to Haskins. Snyder needs to listen to his football people at when it comes to this position or anyone. They knew it would take Haskins a long time. Listen, this kid was hurt by coming to this organization. He was drafted by a coaching staff that felt he'd take a while, and to be honest, his approach played into that belief. I think he kind of heard that, and and he was approaching it like, hey, I'm not going to play much. In many ways, he's still playing a year sooner than they had hoped. Think about that. Then he was inherited by another staff. Then there's a pandemic, and they're they're losing preseason games. That's just a rough, rough go for this kid. While Rivera preached patience, it became clear that he did not like how slow it was taking him. And and he was honest in some of his assessments. Had he drafted Haskins? I don't think he's making a change. You went back, he stuck his neck out for Cam Newton way back when. Now, when Cam started playing, it became clear that he could should, should play. But remember back when they drafted him number one overall, there were a lot of people who said, no, don't do that. But he believed in Cam Newton 
and he he made the pick, and he was it, he never looked back. Anyway, we all know that these coaches know Kyle Allen, so here we are. For Haskins' sake, I wish he had gone somewhere to sit behind an established veteran for a few years. If he had come here when Alex Smith was healthy and he sat behind Alex Smith for a couple years, that would have been really good for him. Learn how that guy approaches the job. Be forced to work your way to a certain point to be able to get on the field. He's a good kid. I think he just needs to needed to be in the right spot. And, and we all know that this is a tough spot for young quarterbacks. I'm not going to give up on him. But I, and I, you know, so anyway. This doesn't have to mean the end of Haskins in Washington, though it is hard to imagine them doing anything other than pursuing another starting quarterback this offseason. If this causes him to wilt, then he was not the guy you wanted. Alex Smith has been through far worse in his career. He's still here. Why? Because he's an intense competitor. Haskins isn't the first quarterback to face adversity early in his career, and he hasn't faced this kind of adversity in his playing days. He was gifted as a kid, was the man in high school, but one time he competed for the job at Ohio State, he won over Joe Burrow, and he, then he excelled. Even last year, he didn't expect to play, so it wasn't a huge thing that he wasn't early on. I think it's what he expected. You will see, more than ever, what he's made of. And this, if he lets it, can be a good thing for him. Coaches want competitors, first and foremost, especially defensive-minded coaches. I think any of them do, but especially the defensive guys. I'm not saying Haskins didn't compete. I felt that was something he did well on the field. I felt he did that in his games. I felt like he stayed strong even in games where they were losing. Um, but it's but in this case, it's how you're going to respond to this situation. It will define Haskins. doesn't have to end him. It may not even be something that helps him here. But the kid is 23. He doesn't have to be done. He's just taken a seat. The rest will be up to him. Well, this is a major step in the Ron Rivera tenure, of course. Fans have largely bought into him. But if this doesn't pay off with Kyle Allen... I wonder if many fans will lose their trust in Rivera and any remaining faith they have in the organization. I know he does not make decisions lightly. That was a big part of the story I just wrote on him. The, the mistake that Rivera made, perhaps, was proclaiming the depth of his devotion to Haskins so recently. If they had gone 1-7 and seven made the change, I'm guessing people understand. He would have failed against some bad teams. It's not that the fans need to see what he can do. The coaches already know. They're in the meetings with him. They're on the practice field. They know what he should be doing during games. They didn't have a chance to see him in games until these first four weeks. In rebuilding trust in the organization, perhaps it's important um, what, what fans do see, though. This is a glimpse into Rivera's managerial style. He didn't have to go through these situations in Carolina because he always had Cam Newton. Players always talk about how straightforward and honest he is. And remember, he did talk to Haskins last week. They had a long meeting. Haskins knew he was on the clock, and I know for a fact that others there told him he may only get two more games. I'm guessing he didn't think the clock would be ticking this fast, however. We're four games into Rivera's tenure, and we already hit a defining point. Was he wrong? Stay tuned. Well, that's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. I asked Michael what he thought of Kyle Allen this summer. Michael was blunt. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, lonoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency, they work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. 
During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And now it's America's podcast guest, Michael Phillips from Richmond Times-Dispatch. Michael, let's get right to it. First of all, thank you for joining me. Let's get right to it. Your thoughts on, were you surprised by this move? I was, Dwayne Haskins? I, I would split it into two things. I was, I was not surprised by the move. I think that's been telegraphed for a few weeks now. We've seen what we've seen on the field. I was surprised by the timing. And, and you know, maybe I... I took Ron Rivera a little too much at face value. He, he really talked up in the preseason, we're going to stick with this guy. We know there are going to be ups and downs. We're committed to his development. Now, you and I have both been around long enough to know, in the NFL, that's a one-week promise. Uh, and, and so I, I did think he would get this stretch up until the Giants games because I consider the Giants games to be very winnable uh, at the moment and maybe give him a chance to – to break out there, but the performances were what they were. And I, I think in the end, Rivera is, was very justified to do what he did. And and I think that's the thing that's confusing a lot of people is, is that they're looking at it as a mixed message. Uh, and that, but I think, I think he would have stayed on that path if the NFC East wasn't as bad as it is. Do you agree? Uh, see, I, yes, but I, that's the part of it I, I can't necessarily go along with. I don't see the value in chasing a seven and nine playoff berth, you know, getting that, get that Saturday three o'clock playoff game where you get the doors blown off you by a good team. It, I don't know. That, that to me is not worth chasing. I understand the value of that. I do think, though, it's, it's always worth chasing wins. And you look at the defensive core he wants to build here in the defensive players. You've talked to Jonathan Allen. You've talked to Deron Payne. You've talked to these guys. We know how Chase Young is. These guys are hungry to win. And, and if they get the faintest whiff that their coach is not behind them and trying to win football games, that is bad. And, and so, and, and I, I agree with that. I do think on the seven and nine, because I think people take this as a perception that they're not rebuilding. And I already gave my thoughts on that earlier. Do you think this signals something different? Because they're still playing a young roster, but what do you think? Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a toe in the water more so than a, than a full on commitment to winning now. Because you're not going to recall recall Adrian Peterson, bring him back. You're not going to bring Sean Davis back to sit in for Troy App. You're you're still going to let those young guys take their lumps. And I think this is something that needs to be said with a straight face. Scott Turner likes Kyle Allen, and, and you know nobody's saying nobody's saying Scott Turner thinks Kyle Allen is going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. He's clearly not going to be. Um, but this is not your run-of-the-mill, fine, let's give some snaps to Colt McCoy. I, they, they believe this is a young kid with some potential who will benefit from this opportunity. What do you think this means for Dwayne Haskins? I, I, you know, and I understand why they went to great lengths to explain they don't think this is the end for him, that he can bounce back from this. I think it will have to be in another city. I, I think that you don't make a move like this and as dramatic a move as it was without really feeling like this guy is not going to be your long-term answer here. And 
Uh, you know, I, I would toss this back to you. Do you think Haskins comes back at, at any point this season if Kyle Allen struggles? Because my feel would be they would probably go to Alex Smith next. How about that story? I mean, that that would be, you know, that that's in this season you cannot. I mean, he's number two. He's the number two quarterback now. So would you? I mean, they clearly, Michael, they clearly don't have a hard a problem with now putting him in the game. Goodness, and, and you and I have both seen a lot of injuries over the years, and you become immune to it a little bit. And you know, that's something I'm not proud of. But you know, a guy gets hurt, you keep watching football. It's how the sport goes. Everybody makes peace with that. This one's different, though. It really is. Like I'm gonna be. When he goes out there, I think I will feel nervous for him, just knowing what he went through, having watched the documentary, um, knowing what that leg looked like and what he's been through. Like, this is not your run of the mill. He had an ACL. Now he's back. Let's see if he can regain his burst. Like, this is this is scary. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm both I, – I feel like this is a triumph of human achievement and will for him to be back out there, and I, I want this to happen because this is the ending Alex wants. I'm also scared to death of what's going to happen out there. I think that his family feels the same way because they're, they're, they're everybody's, we all saw what we saw and we saw the documentary and you know what he's put into it, but it still was a gruesome situation. How much can, and I wrote, mentioned this earlier too, but I'm curious your take, how much can he help a guy like Haskins in this situation, given what he's gone through? Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that Rivera's probably an underrated guy on this, too, as a guy who bounced around the NFL a bit, wasn't wasn't a star, you know, had to take his lumps and get cut. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of that out there in the league, a lot of those guys. But, yeah, Alex is a guy who you talk about, you know, ha- having opportunities and losing opportunities and losing public trust and losing the confidence of the coach but continuing to work and, and bounce back. Um, I wrote that, I to me, Haskins is like a really great double-A prospect baseball. You know, he's a guy who I think if you if you gave him seasoning, if you gave him coaching, and if you built him up, he could become something. The problem, of course, is there there's no double A in the NFL. Um, you know, you sink or you swim here, and that that's not a great situation for him to be in because he's not ready for that. So, you know, you really hope he he uses this time, uh, he he builds on it, he grows, and and we know Alex is an open book and and willing to encourage him with that. Um, I don't think it has to be the end of the road for Dwayne. Um, I would say I'm not optimistic that that future is here, though. Well, I was going to ask you, too, how do you think he will respond? So it's so hard to know, right? Like, so you get, you know, the the last guy it happened to here was Robert Griffin III. And, uh, you know, he's he's still grinding. He's still in Baltimore. And, and you know, I, I think it takes a certain level of humility, um, you know, to, to even be a backup in that situation. You know, obviously, he's waiting for his opportunity, hoping it works out for him. But when you are a first-round draft pick, when you are a, a Big Ten or a Big 12 champion, I think there's just so much that comes with that. You know, you feel like it's it's beneath you to be in a developmental role. And I really hope he takes this opportunity to, to embrace this process and everything that's going to come with it. And that, that's the only way – that's the only thing he can do. You know, I, I mean, otherwise you're going to, you're not going to, you're not going to swim. You're going to sink. We did have a chance to watch Kyle Allen for a few weeks this summer. What did you think? I thought he was bad. <laughs> I thought he was really bad at playing football. <laughs> and, and, that's, yes. why, my, that's why I like having Michael on here. He's very blunt at times. So I enjoyed it. 
uh, you know, you asked me, was I surprised? I wasn't surprised because of Haskins, but the, the timing, I just, you know, they, they like Kyle Allen more than I do, having seen a limited amount of Kyle Allen for sure. Um, I, I thought he struggled a lot. So, uh, you know, whatever's happened behind closed doors and, and, you know, whatever Scott Turner thinks he can draw up for him, I, Rivera knows this. This is a, a high, his first high-pressure decision as coach. And I, I would say Adrian Peterson didn't fit that category. He was a Hall of Famer, but at the same time, you know, he he was getting older. It wasn't a, a big, dramatic, like, franchise-defining cut. You know, he was a guy who, who was going to give you a few carries this year. This is the first time he's really stuck his neck out. And I thought it was telling somebody asked Rivera during the press conference today, uh, uh, I think it was about the, the tweet from uh, Haskins' agent, and uh, his his comment was, well, Kyle's going to have the same, was it the same unfair hand? or yep. you know, unfair shake or something. The same unfair shake. Thank you. Kyle's got the same unfair shake. Kyle's going to have these same players. We'll see what happens. Um, and you don't say we'll see what happens unless you think something's going to happen. So uh, that that was a bold prediction there. Yes, it was. Um, you know, again, if they're trying to win now, do you look at other areas where you can say you can make a move here and help this team by doing what? Is there anything else that they can do? Yeah, you know, I I think that looking at the injuries at wide receiver, and especially if Terry can't go, I I think you you probably need to look at, are there any, you know, free agents or guys off the street that you can bring in right now to help you out? Because if Terry can't go, man, that is, ooh, that that is a rough situation. And and Sims, obviously, Sims missing hurts them, but Terry is the offense. Like, I, I would say that's, that's maybe the worst guy you could possibly lose at this point. If if you go down and, you know, Dontrell Inman didn't practice today too. That's, I'm trying to think of who that leaves you with at wide receiver in terms of your starting three. I, I guess Isaiah Wright becomes your, your longest tenured wide receiver option at that point. Yeah. And that's not a good time, but also in terms of just like, even internally, like yeah. there are other areas that, you know, Troy Apke isn't playing well, guys like that. Are there other areas that that you could that you would suggest they turn to, or do you just say like this was the one move that you could make if you really felt like you had to give your team a better chance? Yeah, and, and it probably buys you time on the other moves. Um, you know, I I would suggest your number one move you can make if you're on Rivera is to start calling some timeouts and start start calling <laughs> the game to win. Um, I, I know that has frustrated the fan base, um, and I have gone back and forth on that. I felt. You know, there was the the field goal in Arizona that I was fine with to avoid being shut out. I think, you know, then you had last week's debacle before halftime. Um, he has not been calling these games to win. And uh, I think if you if you stand at the podium and say we're going to Kyle Allen because we want to win, uh, you probably better back that up with your coaching this week. Yeah, so and that, I think that's the other problem that I think people are going to have. But you know, do you – I mean, what else is – last question for me, though. What else does this team need to do to get – into a position where they can rightly claim that they could contend for the title. Cause you can't sit there and think you can do that if you've lost three in a row by 14 or more each time. So you, there's other things you've got to do. What, what do they have to do? Yeah. And then, you know, I, I think you need more big plays defensively. I think the defense has done a good job of holding its own on the long drives, but you're, you're looking for those splash plays, those takeaways to flip the field, something they did so well against the Eagles, set your offense up in plus territory. You know, three takeaways against Philadelphia, three in the three games since. You know, those are the plays that allow your offense to have success, even if things aren't necessarily going right for them. Um, you know, and I think they 
I think we make so much of what they don't have. We have to acknowledge what they do have. There's, it's a great defensive line. I think Landon Collins, you know, is a guy who should be very good at what he does. Kendall Fuller, very good at what he does on offense. You know, you, if the, if the receivers play, I, I think you have some talent there. Logan Thomas is, he's not a scrub. He's, he's a guy who can compete at the NFL level. So, you know, I, I think to suggest the whole thing's a, a write-off is wrong because there is some talent there, but it, it's a bad offensive line. I, I don't see NFC's title as being a realistic aspiration for this team. Apparently the coach does. Um, you know, I don't know if he just used that as cover to make this decision or what. You're, you're not anticipating the passing out of the NFC East ball caps at the end of after Philly this time. Okay, so I'll say this. I, I have not made plans for that first weekend in January, but that's only because I'm worried about being delayed because of the coronavirus. <laughs> Listen, if they win the NFC East, though, you may have to replace that Jets Washington t shirt that you bought whenever that was. A couple years ago. I will be first in line outside uh, Medell's the next morning to get my seven and nine NFC East champions t shirt. You and, better make that. And maybe they have an extra Sua Cravens jersey, too, to sell. <laughs> So, all right, Michael. Good times. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN's David Newton to discuss Kyle Allen, what he did well, how players received him in Carolina, and more. I used to love making all of my own spices. Now I love reaching for one of Dizzy Pig's craft seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the Barbecue Tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Just recently, I cooked a ribeye with their cow lick seasoning. Fantastic flavor. My wife really likes the mole and the Peruvian and the popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. And if you're cooking turkey during the holidays, you have to use their Mad Max Turkey Rub. It's seasonal, so you can buy it now until January. With 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 15% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIM15, that's K-E-I-M-15, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y-P-I-G-B-B-Q.com. Well, David, I didn't expect to have you back on. I talked, we talked to you earlier in the offseason because so many Carolina connections in Washington. And now there's Kyle Allen starting. People here, they may have, they would have seen him one game last year. They haven't seen him a lot. So just I'll start off with this. What is Washington going to see with Kyle Allen on the field? I think they'll see a, a very steady guy, a guy that can manage the offense and, and try to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. That's what he did uh, last year at Carolina, and, and he won what the first his first five starts and um, was in rare company in the NFL for that. And I even wrote after his first game, he, he went to Arizona, I believe, and really lit it up and played a great game. And, and I was like, there's no need for Cam Newton to hurry back right now because the Panthers have a capable quarterback. Well, they kept winning and kept winning. And then uh, suddenly things kind of fell apart a little bit. Things caught up with him. And, you know, he, he started playing poorly, started making some mistakes out there. And, um, you know, but, but I think he's a guy that if you look at him back when he was uh, 
from high school and then the college. He was a highly recruited guy, a, a, a big time prospect that just had just never found the right mix with the right coach and all. And I think Ron Rivera was really a good mix for him. Why is that? Ron believed in him, number one, and I think that was really important. Um, he didn't feel the pressure he felt at other places. Uh, he liked the staff there with, with North Turner, and, and he's got, I guess, Scott there now. So um, he's kind of, he'll feel comfortable with that. And I think that's another reason that Ron brought him to Washington, because he felt like that that's a guy that knows the system, can step in in an emergency situation like they have right now and, and be able to perform. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, he won't be doing the, the – but he won't be making the, the big middle errors, I think, that probably hurt Washington in some of the previous games here. What were the, when, when he was going well, what did he do? He basically just managed the game well. I mean, he, he wasn't a game changer. He was a game manager. He, he would get the ball in the back's hand, coming out of the backfield, hit the receivers, make some good pinpoint passing. Um, and when things fell apart, he wasn't doing that. So, um, but I think he's got some potential out there, whether he can be a full-time starter in the league, I, I'm not sure. Um, the, the Panthers didn't think enough of him to keep him on their roster moving forward. But, uh, you know, for, for what they're needing right now to kind of stabilize things in Washington, he, he was that. And he was a good stabilizing factor. And he had a lot of fun, um, you know, with the media, with, with the teammates and all. They, they respected him and what he could do. And I was going to ask you that, too, because – we're not, a, you know, as you know, we're not around these players. We don't know what a lot of guys think about other players. What was the reaction to him in the locker room in Carolina? His teammates had complete confidence in him. I mean, whether they were just blowing smoke or not, just to, to put an image, I don't know. But they, they seemed to come off saying that we feel like we can do almost everything with him that we could do with Cam Newton and we could be successful. And they proved that because they, I think, got to five and two, five and three with their record before it all fell apart. And, um, I think Kyle Allen was a big part of that because the defense was playing well. And, and that's part of the breakdown. The defense started playing really poorly after that. Mm. Um, and, and so he was put in a situation where he had to make big plays uh, coming from behind rather than, than managing the game and, and keeping pace. So that, that, was, that, that also led to part of his breakdown there. And that's one of the things Scott Turner was talking about, that they felt he started to force too many throws yeah. because he had – is that an accurate – depiction yeah. no i think that's exactly it because like i said the defense really um became very porous out there and they, they couldn't stop anybody and so he was having to to be the guy that to make the plays and and you know cam newton was a guy that when the team got in you know in a bad situation they felt like he was a guy that was a game changer that he could come in there sure. and, and force something to happen but but kyle allen wasn't that type player and when he tried to do that he kind of played outside of you know his talent in a lot of ways how much did he use his mobility? More than you would have thought. I, he was a lot quicker than I thought. That surprised me. He made a few runs in games. I can't remember exactly which ones specifically, but he made some runs that really impressed me. He was a much better slider than Cam Newton was because Cam, <laughs> for most of his career, liked to move dive forward, which probably shortened his career a little bit. Well, Cam could also run people over too. So sometimes he didn't have to run people over. He, he, his locker was right next to Cam Newton's, and you know Cam six foot five, six foot six, and huge. And I mean, he just towered, towered over Kyle Allen. <laughs> well, that that is, the, you know, it's funny because I'd heard those two got along pretty well as well. Is that true? Cam? Cam was a really good teammate during the, the time he was out last year. I mean, for a while, you know, Kyle was kind of the 
position was he was just holding the, that down until Cam could come back. But it became apparent after a certain time that Cam wasn't coming back and that um, at that point that he or, or, you know, whoever else was – Will Greer was the other quarterback, we're going to have to carry the load. And, and, and that's when the pressure started to mount a little bit that, hey, this is – if we're going to win, it's going to be on my shoulders. And I, I think that, that probably added a little bit to the situation and where he felt that pressure to make plays. You saw him come from an undrafted guy to someone who could do that. Why do you think, you know, when you look back at the first year was there, why do you feel like he was able to make that kind of a jump and put himself, whether whatever anybody thinks of him, he's put himself in position to at least have a chance to play in the NFL or to start in the NFL? Yeah, well, because he was a high-profile guy from high school into college. And as I said, he didn't have the right mix with the staffs and the, the way things happened. He got pulled a few times when one thing went wrong, they took him out of the lineup. Um, but he had been in the limelight. He knew how to handle that that uh, pressure uh, from the standpoint of being a starting quarterback. So the game was not too big for him when he got in there. You also know Ron Rivera well. And as you could imagine, a quarterback change brings a lot of chatter on social media. Enough so that it's like you kind of don't really want to go on there because people are kind of up in arms about all sorts of stuff. But you know Ron well. Were you surprised that he would make this kind of a decision even this early in the season? No, I think he probably was looking at the quarterback situation when he came in there and saying, you know, if this doesn't work out um, after a few games, we're probably going to have to look at some other things. I think that's why he brought Kyle Allen in because he felt comfortable with him. And and he, he didn't have that comfort level of what he inherited. So, um, no, not surprised at all. And Ron's not afraid to make, you know, take chances like that. And he had the – the title river broke Ron when he was here. And by the way, I, I wish him great uh, in his recovery with his cancer and his, what he's going through right now. I, I texted him after uh, I got, he got the diagnosis and uh, having gone through cancer myself, I, I know that he's still in a lot of, a lot of angst out there, but uh, he's got a lot of support, but, but back to Kyle, he, you know, he, he's a guy that Ron really, really liked and felt comfortable with. And that's important when you're coaching and your quarterbacks and, um, the relationship they had, I think, plays a big reason why he felt comfortable going with him now. Last one, David. I appreciate you coming on. When Carolina had to make a decision this offseason, now Washington may have – they clearly maybe preferred Kyle Allen, but how close was it for them between, like, a guy like that and a Will Greer or someone like that? You know, Carolina, was Carolina that willing to to get move on from Kyle Allen? Yeah, I don't think there ever really was much consideration for him because they, they – they pretty much knew they were going to move on from Cam Newton. They really wanted Teddy Bridgewater, who's really come in and done a, a really solid job for him here. And, and they felt strongly about Will Greer and, and that he fit what um, Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator, wanted to do. And and P.J. Walker is another player that the new coach, Matt, uh, Matt Rule, he coached him in college and he felt comfortable with him, just kind of like – Rivera feels comfortable, you know, with Kyle Allen. So they already had their three quarterbacks in mind, and Kyle just wasn't a fit for that. I, I apologize. This is this is the last one, so I'm sorry because you bring up Cam Newton, and the thing, the question I get all the time is, well, if they're going to move on this fast from Dwayne Haskins, why not sign Cam Newton in the offseason? Were you surprised he didn't end up here, or did you feel like it was time for those sides to kind of go their different ways? I think it was time for them to go their different ways. I, you know, Ron – uh, new cam um, inside and out. He knows what he can do. He, he said all along during the offseason, he said, it, it won't surprise me at all if he goes up to wherever he goes and has success. Um, 
but I, I think he wanted to move on and do some different things with his offense. And uh, and while Cam is a, a great player and a great multidimensional player, um, you kind of got to build it around him. And I think with, with Scott Turner and what they want to do there, they, they want to build around a quarterback that's not – you know, I guess the, more of a pinpoint passer for that offense, kind right. of what the Panthers wanted with Teddy Bridgewater here and Joe Brady. And Cam's never been that type of passer. Um, he, he depends on his legs a lot to, to win games. So, no, that didn't surprise me totally. Um, I thought they might give him a look. But he, and I think Ron also knows they were in a rebuilding situation at Washington. If you bring a guy like Cam Newton in, he's going to have a high contract. If he succeeds this year, he's going to have an even bigger contract next year. And it's when you put that kind of money into a quarterback, it, it takes away from everything else you're trying to, to do when you're rebuilding. So it just didn't really make a lot of sense for them to go that way. David, great insight. Appreciate you joining me. An unexpected chat, at least, <laughs> at least for now. So we'll probably be talking to you down the road because these two teams play. So who knows who will be starting then. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, John. That's it for this episode. Thank you to Michael Phillips and David Newton for joining me. And thank you for listening on yet another tough day for you fans. I hope for your sake there are better days ahead. Hang in there. Don't forget to support our sponsors, Lono Coffee and Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Rams just got a little more interesting. I'll talk to you after the game.